0: Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Animal Files podcast. We have another amazing guest for you. We have Carolyn Osborne, and she is the owner and operator of Chiron Energy Medicine for People and Animals. We love having energy medicine people on this because that's kind of where I got my start. So it's nice to learn more people in the industry. So I'm going to toss it over to Miranda, and we are going to get this interview started because it's going to be a good one.
1: (laughs) Yes, welcome, Carolyn. We're happy to have you. Carolyn goes by a few different names, I guess. I don't know if names is the right word, but (laughs) titles, probably
2: titles, if you want to call
1: it (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) titles. I guess maybe depending on where you are sharing your information and what services particularly you're talking about. Mm -hmm. Correct. Do you want to
2: explain a little bit about that? Sure. First of all, I do energy medicine, as it says in my title, Chiron Energy Medicine. That's where I've gotten most of my practice, a couple different modalities of energy medicine techniques that I use. I also am an animal communicator, so I can talk to your animals and they can talk to me, which is always exciting. And then I'm also a medical intuitive. So all those three areas are different ways of connecting with you and your animal both to find out what's going on and how I can help you.
1: Nice. Mm. Have you always had a strong connection with animals? And did you always have a certain level of animal communication and healing abilities as a child? Or did these abilities develop later? Um, I've always been into animals.
2: I've always been a horse crazy individual since I was a kid. (laughs) Mm. And we've had dogs all of our lives. So I've grown up with animals all of my life, one way or another. I would say my abilities were a little bit more withdrawn when I was younger, but I have since developed it as I've gotten older and gotten into it and really allowed them to blossom and just Mm. kind of reconnecting. And, you know, it was probably there, but it was more of an unconscious way that I was working with them in those days. And now I'm able to really work with them in a more conscious way.
1: Mm -hmm. Talking with some other people who kind of do similar things to you, maybe different types of energy healing or animal communication and things like that. uh, A couple of them had mentioned that they felt like they had the ability when they were young, but it ended up getting stifled because of conditioning, things that were said to them, different things like that. Did you have that experience? I didn't have the experience
2: so much for se. I just, my life went in a different direction. Mm-hmm. I'm a professional violinist as well. So I went into the music world. And so oh, that nice. just kind of sidetracked me and got me off into another world, which is also about, you know, communication expression in its own way. Mm. Right. And like I said, I was always interested mm-hmm. in horses and did a lot of riding up through high school. And at one point when I was an adult and got back, In my life, I realized that I needed to reconnect in particular with horses again. And that's when things really started opening up again, the communication, Mm -hmm. the feel, the connect, uh, you know, just the interaction. They are such amazing healing beings in their own right. Mm -hmm. And just uh, working with them really started to kickstart me into exploring this again in a much deeper, more serious way. Horses are amazing. They are incredible. (laughs) <laughs> just mm-hmm. amazing I loved working with them yeah yes <laughs> fantastic but that's that's where I got my re-interest as usual say you know just kind of reinitiated back into the whole of that whole communication and connection and realizing oh
1: there's something going on here I should pay attention to this <laughs> <laughs> yeah how did the connection between you being a violinist and a horse show jumper and dressage, you said as well. Yeah. And I'm not exactly sure what dressage is.
2: Okay. Dressage is sort of like the kind of like ballet of horseback oh. riding,
1: where oh, okay.
2: it's very precise movements, but the rider is communicating minimally. So you're watching the horse do all of these incredible movements, but you're not seeing the rider do anything ideally, you know, mm. and they are doing some incredible steps and just. You know, So it's it's a, the ultimate partnership between you and your animal, as well as with show jumping, which is a whole different kind of genre. But how it relates to me is they're both performances. You're going mm-hmm. out, you are working in conjunction, you have a moment, <laughs> you're in front of the crowd or a judge, you know, whatever, and you have to do your best. So there's mm-hmm. that turn on the light and just say, okay, this is the moment. For me as a violinist, learning to perform on stage, to learn, to perform in front of crowds, to monitor my nerves, because nerves mm. can get very out of control. Right. It's very much the same kind of mental preparation, the same kind of game plan of doing it. The only difference being instead of working with an inanimate object, which I am with my violin, you're working with a living being working with a horse who has a mind mm. of its own. So mm-hmm. <laughs> And they Mm -hmm. also have their days when they're feeling better or they're not. And so it's like finding that balance to meet the horse on its equal footing mentally and emotionally and physically. And hopefully it all lines up so that you're both in sync together and able to do what you need to do. Some days it works, some days it doesn't. I mean, that's one of the things with horse shows is some days it's on and some days it's on, and you just you know it is what it is at that moment. You you never know until you're right out there. Mm -hmm. But my training in performance and preparation helps me get into that correct mindset and that that place to be as a competitor working in that regard. So I felt very grateful because so many people are like, oh, I'm so nervous. Oh my god, people this. and it's like. Oh, I mean, I've been doing that since I was a kid, you know, so this is, this is normal for me. It's kind of a thing that I have done a lot of. So there's a Mm -hmm. lot of overlap in some ways between the two careers. (laughs) Mm, Yeah. Did you perform with orchestras or solo? Both. I've done solo work and I've done primarily right now, I'm doing a lot of orchestral playing and uh, studio things, which are like soundtracks and recordings and things like that. Well, that's really cool. You know, and other all sorts of different kinds of gigs. I do a lot of things. So yeah, I'm always in front of people and I do, you know,
0: I I have done several solo opportunities as well. So Mm -hmm. yes. Working with an orchestra, I mean, you have all these other people that you're working with. So you can, yeah, have to find that balance within the music and within the orchestration. So it's a good way to set yourself up to actually doing that with a living being. Exactly. Exactly. You are Right. There's a
2: compromise. There's a
0: listening to others. There's that finding that
2: feel. And that's where the energy starts to come in because you're working, you're feeling that energy of the animal or like in my music, the other musicians, you know, when you get in sync with that, you know, and it's like anything in either discipline when it all lines up and it just sort of falls together and then you're just riding that wave and it's like, okay, don't do anything. Just let it go. Just, you know, you've practiced it, you've done everything you need to do. Now you mm-hmm. trust the process and you allow it to unfold. And that's, that's when it's like the most amazing when that happens. It doesn't always happen as often as one would like, but when it does, it's just incredible. It's
0: magic. That's mm-hmm. what that is. Magic. Yes, magic. Definitely. I think
1: it's one of the hardest things for humans to do is to just trust and let it go it's like exactly we, we want to be in control of every single mm-hmm. moment it seems and when we hold on so tight then things are more likely to fall apart i think <laughs> exactly and that
2: and that is what happens with animals and people because the people get so controlling of their mm. animals and of what they want to do and sometimes you know i have to counsel them to say okay back off let them be, let them experience. And that's, you know, that's a challenge. Yes. <laughs> mm, yes. <laughs> Allowing, <laughs> definitely, you know, does. and it's hard because people want to be like, Oh, I got to do this. It's like, no, sometimes you just need to back off a little bit and give them space, you mm-hmm. know, so that mm-hmm. they can do what they need to do.
1: Yeah. And
2: so it's a learning experience for both sides.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And I think along with that too, is seems like a strong need for a lot of human beings to humanize their animals and they don't mm-hmm. they don't really understand the natural being of their pets
2: mm-hmm. right
1: so they seem to struggle with working with that and there just kind of can be maybe some friction that occurs as a result
2: right exactly i mean i had to it's kind of an interesting parallel but when i started getting back into writing and working, I had that work ethic of, you know, was a violinist. I keep practicing, I keep practicing, I keep doing it over. You can't do that with another being. You have Mm -hmm. to work in small bits. You have to do it. You get it right. You let it go. You move on. You don't just keep drilling, drilling, drilling and saying, okay, I'm going to do this over and over and over until it gets right. That doesn't work. And so it's the same thing with people and their animals. They have to learn how that give and take, Mm -hmm. you know, allow them to be themselves to express themselves, so you find out who they really are and what their personality is, what their energy is. And then you are honoring that and working with it instead of trying to mold it into something that they're not. Yeah. Mm-hmm.
0: Music to my ears. Yep. Exactly <laughs> how I see it.
2: <laughs> exactly. And that's, you know, most people kind of get that, but then the actual reality of it is a very different thing. Yeah.
0: As I said that my cat was staring at me, oh. give me this side eye, like, sorry. <laughs> she comes into our podcast. Everyone. Yes. A while, yes. So. Yeah. <laughs> he knows. <laughs> yes.
1: I'm sure a lot of that though happens without awareness. Like people just don't even realize they're doing it until it's brought to their attention.
2: Exactly. Yes. And this is again, where it's important to work with the person in conjunction with the animal because it's an education for both parties and I'm a big proponent of saying the animal is in a person's life for a specific reason it's not an accident it's not Mm -hmm. you know the animal usually finds the person even though the person thinks they found them (laughs) and they're there for a specific purpose generally speaking and to help them through that period of their life or that situation in their life or whatever is going on. And so when you can kind of look at that relationship and that experience and you start to see okay, well, what is the animal really doing? they're they're doing a lot more for us than we realize. and that's where educating their person to say, you know, there's some sort of soul contract going on here with you, between you and your animal. So the animal may or may not change its behavior or change its patterns until you recognize, your contribution or what they want you to learn or to figure out and then they are in their way trying to address them and saying um hello there's a quest there's an issue over here you have to look at <laughs> And, you know, the people are like, no, fix the animal, fix the animal. And it's like, well, <laughs> yeah. it's not necessarily the animal. It's the person behind it. Yeah. Not that it's always like that, you know, but yeah, but there's a lot of overlap there. Yeah.
1: Yeah. It's kind of interesting how we were just talking about trusting the process. Cause it's like, I caught myself thinking, I was like, oh, okay, what am I going to say next? Or how am I going <laughs> to,
0: <laughs> and I'm like,
1: trust the process, just trust mm-hmm. the
0: process. hmm mm-hmm. <laughs> Exactly. We all need to do that more often. <laughs> we do. And and it's, we're all,
2: we're all little mini control freaks, myself included, <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> you know, and we all have to like do things. And it's a very important process to learn when to let go and how to let go sometimes. And that does, now this is, again, goes back to horseback riding. There's times when you release the pressure and the reins, or you release it, but you don't just give it away either. Right. You just yeah. lighten it up so that there's less contact. You're not like this, you know, you're not all really tight and trying to over control. You're yeah. giving them freedom within the connection, but they still feel the connection. Right. Mm-hmm. So that's the same thing that, you know, we have with any of our relationships, you know, finding that balance where we, we're having that connection and that communication, but we're not over controlling or under
0: Mm -hmm. control. When we try to over control, it doesn't always work out the way we think it's going to work out. No, (laughs) (laughs) definitely not. And that's,
2: (laughs) and that's oftentimes when accidents can happen and things can happen that are not, you know, then the animal's like, okay, we're going to have to ramp this up and get the bigger message across to you in a different way.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Even when we trust the process, we still may not get the outcome that we intended. But sometimes it could end up being a better outcome than we had hoped for. Or maybe it was simply just the outcome that was meant to have Mm -hmm. developed.
2: Right. And I, I'm always of the belief that you know, you you're looking for a certain outcome, but I'm always trying to help people to say, Okay, you want this or something better, because we don't always know what our other options or possibilities are. But if we limit ourselves to only something, we're limiting ourselves from something even bigger or different or yeah. better that we could have. So it's, it's again, realizing we want to create a space for something that we would like, but even something better that we can't even imagine at this point in time, or can't even think about as possibly ha- happening. So by setting that up as an intention and a release, you're not so controlling it that you're also cutting yourself off at your knees, you know? Yeah. Mm-hmm. Definitely.
1: I'm, I'm kind of curious with your experience with the horses in comparison to maybe how other people in the same field worked with their horses, if like how the communication may have been different, like, were you already having some of the experience of the animal communication at that point, or, because I think a lot of people probably in those areas probably focus more on the verbal cues and that type of thing. Right.
2: Right. Yes. And I know the first couple times, okay, this opens up the conversation of the different clairs and how we receive information and how we take it in. Right. So you can either mm-hmm. hear it, you can see it, you can sense it, you can feel it, or you just kind of know it mm-hmm. and everybody is different or has different parts of those that they use. So depending on what your strengths are, depending on how you're receiving the information from the animal. Animals per se, communicate with images visually. You know, like when I'm trying to communicate with them to say them, I'm trying to send them a picture or seeing what pictures they show. Mm-hmm. They can sometimes also, you know, give words. One horse that I was on, I just finished a jumping lesson was finishing heading back to the barn and I'm sitting on my horse, totally relaxed no no contact just just you know we're walking back with the trainer and I hear this in my head get off now and mm-hmm. I'm like no I don't need to I'm just going back to the barn got down to the end of the ring and my horse just bucked and threw me off and I went flying and it was like what was oh, that wow yeah oh. and you know luckily I was okay but it was like he gave me that warning right he's like get off Doesn't have to be a logical explanation as to why (laughs) just Mm -hmm. listen. And after that, it's like, okay, I get a message. I listen to it. I don't, Mm. don't try to sit there and rationalize and understand where it's coming from or why, but it was like, it clearly came. Mm. And I think everybody gets those kinds of messages in different ways. And I think, and especially people with their animals, they know their animals. They know more than they think they do. They are hearing and communicating better than they realize. And so I'm always telling my clients, you know, it's like, if you feel something's off, something's off, you don't have to believe it. You know, that's where you, sometimes you go to the vets and they're like, no, everything's fine. It's like, no, but something's not right. Something's not right. Yeah, And that's where you want to find out. And that's where like the energy medicine thing and the communication is really important to find out in that kind of grayer area. Mm -hmm. of what else is going on because there are usually other things going on Mm -hmm. that could be contributing to a potential problem that could come up or just something is brewing and you want to deal with it. So, and and horses are very communicative. I mean, you're you're in their heart field, right? When you're riding them and you're on them, their heart field is so huge. So most horse people... (laughs) are really in tune with that without even really being aware of it. You know, Hmm. some people are more in tune with it than others, but Mm -hmm. you know, the good uh, equestrians really are in touch with that part of their course and their communication.
1: Oh, okay. Hmm. So I want to go to the name of the business because I thought it was kind of interesting when I went out to your website and found out why you had chosen to use the word Chiron as part Mm -hmm. of your business name. Can you share that with us?
2: Yes. So Chiron was a Greek God. He was a demigod and he is a centaur. So he's half horse, half human. Hmm. He was uh, the son of Zeus and a um, human nymph. And Zeus came down and had a little fling. And then as he was as, want to do, as he was want to do. <laughs> yes. So when this child was born, it came out as a centaur and the mother was traumatized and like, get rid of this. And so his, he's called the wounded healer. And so his first wound was that he was given away. He was orphaned. He was like, she didn't want him abandoned. You know, it's like, you're different. You're something else. Well, he became one of the best characters. He was taught by Apollo and Artemis. So he had training in music in healing He was a great teacher. He taught all the other gods, a lot of them. He was a trainer for them as well. His undoing was he had been uh, really close with Hercules. And Hercules had one of his arrows that was tipped in uh, Hydra's poison. And somehow he shot the arrow and it hit Chiron in one of his legs. Well, with that poison, it wasn't able to heal. So he was forever wounded and he could never heal that wound, even with all of his skills. So what he ended up doing was he finally bargained and and worked out with the gods, traded places with Prometheus. So he could die, and Prometheus could then live. And so that's when he went up, and he became like a constellation. So he's also one of our planets, you know, uh, you know, he's, which is also considered one of the like the wounded healer. So I like it because so many people have, you know, we're all carrying some sort of wound of some sort. Plus it's that connection between the animals and the people. I love that connection because he is both. He's mm-hmm. part animal. He's got that animal side of him and he's got the person side of him and he's, you know, the teacher. So he's got all these different things that just, for me, we're like, this just says it all. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. For me.
0: I, you know, I, can, I can totally see that. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Especially if what we know about right. you now. It's like, that's, who you are in a lot of ways. Right, that exactly, exactly.
2: Exactly. exactly mm. And so it just it just resonated with me. And the more and more I'm with it, the more I'm I'm kind of growing into it, shall we say? So yeah. Isn't that it,
0: how it always happens?
2: Yeah. And <laughs> we it just take a name and then we just grow in it. It, <laughs> and it was funny because that just came to me and it was like, oh yeah. And it was like, yeah, like I say, it's it's like I've really grown into it and the understanding of it over the years. And it's just, it makes a lot of sense for me.
1: Mm. Cool. Yeah, you know, and as, aside from the you know permanently wounded aspect of it, I think that it is common with any kind of healer or teacher or something that we're usually trying to heal or teach something that we're in the process of working on ourselves, or like we maybe have overcome part of it and we're working on another level or something mm-hmm. in that sense.
2: Yes. So yes, we are, I think all healers are teaching those people that things that they're addressing in their lives or have experienced in their lives. And they are attracting in clients that are going through similar processes because you can relate to that and understand Mm -hmm. it. So yes, it's, it's, it's a very much an important part of that process
0: Mm -hmm. and
2: learning and how we address those clients and figure out what those clients so that we can relate to them and understand what they're going through and have a better experience of helping them through the
0: process. Mm -hmm. of learning yeah my belief is that you are drawn to the healer that you need at that particular time right Mm -hmm. right so when a client would come to you it's because they need you right right not they just need healing they need you because you can provide something that you've already been through that empathy is there Mm -hmm. right
2: because there's a whole bunch of us out there doing similar things, but we're all offering it from a different perspective and a different place and in different um, experience. So Mm -hmm. that's very important.
1: Yes. Mm -hmm. So I know a couple of the things, I don't know if you've kind of lump it together or separately, but a couple of the things that you offer to people are mirror sessions and tandem healing. Mm -hmm. So I don't, is that, Mm -hmm. does that, go part and parcel together, or are they sometimes yeah, separate? Yeah, so
2: they're, they're, that's the same thing. So okay. camera mirror sessions are the tandem healing. That oh, okay. is what we were talking about. It's like working with the animal, helping the animal, but then the animal bringing forth, you know, what's going on with their with their person and what the person needs to address in their life. And it's very often an emotional piece, you know, could be suppressed angers or old experiences or, you know, just, and, and something coming probably from their past you know these are deep-rooted issues that you know the person has probably said you know i'm gonna stuff it i'm gonna stuff it i don't want to deal with that right now and the animals are so pure Mm -hmm. and dog and dogs more than cats but cats too you know they read us down to our bottom level they they see all this is going on and so they're seeing all those buried experiences and buried emotions and feelings and so that impacts them. And so, you know, animals, you know, like the classic one, the obvious one is a cat peeing outside of the box, Mm -hmm. the cats peeing or a dog peeing in the house and places, they're pissed off at something, they're expressing some anger. So what in you is anger, what kind of suppressed anger do you have at another person at work, at, at a spouse at another, you know, at somebody else, or was it a parent back in the day? And, For that person to look at that and acknowledge that and and just be willing to say, okay, yeah, I see that and I'm ready and willing to let that go now. Mm. That enables the animal to say, okay, great. I don't have to carry that. I don't have to do that behavior anymore. I can release that and let it go and move on. Mm -hmm. And this can happen in any other ways. You know, you've got your needy animals. You've got your abandoned animals. You've got your perfect animals. All of these things are reflecting... Aspects within us, as you know, I'm sure animals are always look very much like their owners, right? You know, there's (laughs) very similarities. And and that's, that's not an accident, I would say. But that can go down to those deeper layers as well. So that's what they're Mm. reflecting. They're reflecting their person on all these different areas. Now, Mm. that's not to say that the animal doesn't just have their own problems from time to time, which they do. But a lot of issues, there's an overlap. So mm-hmm. th- the, what I'm yeah. working with is like, okay, over a course of four sessions, let's address and dig deep and see what's what's going on. What can I address within the animal? And then it's like, okay, what's that bringing up within the person? And how can we heal that and release that in the person? And then that enables, you know, clearing all that up allows the animal and the person to have a freedom and release that they didn't have mm-hmm. before.
0: Yeah, I don't think people realize how much our animals absorb our stuff. Very mm. much,
2: all the time, all the time. They are open books. They know everything. And everyone's like, well, tell them I love them or tell them that this is happening. And it's like, they usually know. They usually on mm. some level know what is going on before we do.
0: Um, mm, yeah. It's
2: kind of like kids when they, when you all of a sudden you come up to a kid and say, we're getting a divorce. And it's like, well, what took so long? You know, they, they already knew on some level, they're, they're they're reading it. And the animals are like that they're reading all of this stuff that we're not even aware of. Mm -hmm. That's one thing I've noticed sometimes, like, again, with my one of my horses in the early days, they would respond or do something. And it wasn't until a couple hours later, that's like, Oh, that was me, I hadn't gotten in touch with some feeling or something that there but they had already picked up on it and they were acting out on it before I was even aware that it existed you know
3: mm-hmm. so they're mm-hmm.
2: so much more in tune to us and to all of that. and so you know for us it's all about you know I want clients and people that are willing to address their awareness and open that up and get to a more highly evolved more clear space within themselves because then they can really be healthier, be happier. Mm-hmm and not have to carry all that excess baggage around that, you know, they don't Mm. need anymore and Mm -hmm. the animals there to try to help them to, to identify that and to see that. And so Mm -hmm. that is like one of the biggest blessings of of having animals in our lives. You know, if we allow that and to to look at them not just as a pet Mm
3: -hmm. or
2: a work animal or whatever they are, but as a help and support system for us. And the teacher for us. And, you know, the more we open up, the more they can do for us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I think
1: animals are one of the best teachers that we have in our lives. And I think a lot of them teach just by being, mm-hmm. you know, and if we are willing to simply just pay close enough attention to them, we can learn a lot by you know, learning how to just be present and in the moment, mm-hmm. uh, how to accept things, how to let go of things, how to have fun.
2: <laughs> yeah, <laughs> and one of the things that I love the most is we had this with our dog. We we rescued him from a person who was leaving and they were going to give up their dog because they couldn't take him with them. And so we decided to take in this dog and he was so of course, traumatized and focused because all of a sudden his people were just dumping him basically at our house. They didn't know who we were. And it was like, where are they going? And they're off. And, and after him, two days of staring at the door, myself and another friend of mine who also does animal communication connected with him and told him what was going on. And he was able to say, well, that's ridiculous. And how dare they leave me like that? And basically he was like, Mm -hmm. turn right. And he just forgot about it. He, He was able to let it go. And I think that's one of the biggest lessons people have a hard time letting go, you know, even though it's like, yeah, you know, you're, you're leaving a relationship. Okay. But what about this? And they get so connected with their past and they can't ever just let it go. Animals are so good at just saying, okay, I lost a leg. I lost a leg. I'm moving on with my life. I'm not going to sit there and go, Mm. oh, I can't function because I lost a leg. Or I had a cat. I had to take all his teeth out. He was happy as a clam. He managed to eat. There was no problem. Mm. Yep. You know, they adapt. They Mm -hmm. move forward. They don't hold on to the past and hold on to all these, well, what ifs and that's, Mm -hmm. and that's one of the biggest lessons, you know, for us people, (laughs) you know, they can do that and they, and they're fine and -hmm. they, they work it out. They do what they need to do. And I think if people looked at that and within themselves and realized that they have the power to be okay, and they don't need to carry this on and think about it and go over and over and over and over.
1: Yeah. I wonder how much of that is conditioning. It is. Yes, we're tra- we're taught that way. <laughs> yeah. Cuz I know that's a uh, definite a thing that I deal with and I'm much more aware of it so I try to try to let go as, as mm-hmm. quickly as I can but <laughs> I you know a situation will happen and I'll keep playing it over and over mm-hmm. and over again in my head. <laughs> Or, you know, I'm anticipating a situation. And so I'm like playing out how this is going to go, what I'm going to say, right. what the other person's going to say. Exactly, exactly. <laughs> and, and and even when I catch myself, I realize how ridiculous it is, it is but it's seems very challenging to stop it. <laughs> well, and that's the whole aspect
2: of being in the moment and being present and being yeah. where we are. And, you know, also what I'm trying to do with my client's is work with them on a more evolved level, that higher kind of spiritual aspect of saying, okay, there's more to Mm -hmm. this than just, yes, all of this is nice, but we can learn so much and evolve ourselves and the animals. We have that ability. If we can allow them to teach us that, or to, to look at that as a new example, we get stuck in our 3d human dimensionality, Yeah. And, and, you know, and it's like, okay. Or the ego part of us, you know, that, that's holds on to all of that stuff. And it's yeah, like, okay, you know. ego, that's nice. Thank you very much. But let's, <laughs> we don't,
0: I don't want to hear that right now. <laughs> right. <laughs> I always look at it and I think a lot of people should do this, you know, because of conditioning, generational conditioning, mm-hmm. we look at animals as just animals, right? Right. You know, there they do jobs for us. They're cute. They're cuddly companionship. All the fun stuff, the surface stuff. Mm -hmm. But I think as humans, we need to look at them as, in my opinion, more intelligent than us in a lot of ways. Mm -hmm. And we need to see them as their own people. We need to see them as individuals. We need to see them in a way that let's them shine
3: mm-hmm.
0: because they are teachers mm-hmm. they are teachers when you don't even notice they're teaching you right and they have such a a purpose and a mission on this planet when they choose their people there is a reason and there is an intelligence and intention behind that and i think we as humans need to start looking at animals like we see other people mm-hmm. but more evolved mm. yes Without the baggage. Yeah. (laughs) Yes, exactly. I
1: think intelligence is an interesting concept though, because as part of our conditioning, I think we view intelligence as, you know, how much you have learned through books and schooling and and Mm -hmm. all of that. And it's like, oh, if you've got a PhD, you're more intelligent than somebody who just has high school or something like that. And it's intelligence to me has nothing to do with books and facts and All of that kind of stuff. It has more to do with, I think, more how to operate in the world.
0: Mm -hmm. Exactly. I think so.
1: Yes. And we can
2: learn so much. And I mean, let's face it, dolphins and whales and like some of the elephants and some of these other animals are so much more highly evolved, intelligent than people realize. And they're in a different level. Oh, totally. Then yeah. we are, mm-hmm. and we Way just and we just abuse them, you know, and
0: treat them like oh they're just these silly animals. And <laughs> it's like no, no, no. <laughs> There's so much. I more can't going tell on. you how much I've learned from my animals. I mean, as I've been doing my own personal journey and mm-hmm. my own spiritual journey, I, they've taught me more than any book could have ever taught me. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
0: Exactly. Same with me and
2: all my animals and every one of them. You know, they've all come into me for certain parts of my life and then. You know, onto the next one, and they all hold a special place. You know, yeah. they're all there for for their own reasons, and they've helped me grow to where I am today. Mm-hmm. And that's uh, I feel forever grateful <laughs> <laughs> to yep. them all me for too. that. Because mm-hmm. uh, yeah, it's it's an amazing phenomenon. And 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 I also wanted to mention that. You know, we tend to think, and this is a harder topic to talk about, but when we see animals that are being abused or animals that are in a situation that are not what we think as the best situation, very often those animals have chosen to be there because they're there for their own growth and they're there to help that person. Or there's some connection there that we can't see from where we are here Mm. and as harsh as it is and as bad as it is, we can't really know what that connection is and what their bigger plan is, you know, why they're here and why they subjected themselves to that. Mm -hmm. But then that goes in where with the whole belief that we're here and we've chosen our lives to a certain extent and we're, you know, here for learning certain experiences or having certain experiences. So like I say, it kind of opens up a whole nother doorway of yeah.
0: things, yeah. but I consider that we choose the potentiality of what a life could be. Mm-hmm. Yes. You know, cause you think about that, you know, these animals chose these people that are neglectful or abusive, right. But they don't know the extent of that before they choose that person. They just choose, okay, the potentiality of this life, it could go this way, but it also could go this way. Right. Right. And I could learn here and they could learn here And because a lot of us humans walk around unconscious, we don't realize. And so we consider them just things that don't have feelings or emotions. Mm -hmm. And again, that's generational conditioning. So don't, don't think that an abused animal should stay where it is. You know, right, right, right. They just right. shows the potentiality of that life, mm-hmm. doesn't mean they need to stay in that life. Right, right, right. Exactly. <laughs> like I say, it's it's, it's, a, it's yeah. a murky area to, to it's to very know. it's a very murky, but I totally agree with you that they chose that relationship for some reason. Mm-hmm. And because their human was unconscious and didn't realize that the connection could be there, they ended up in a situation because they didn't know what it was going to turn out to be right right
1: i also think or well i believe that the universe loves expansion and growth and so Mm -hmm. when any living being ends up in a certain situation There is the opportunity for expansion and growth. It doesn't mean it's necessarily going to happen, but the opportunity is there. Right.
2: Well, and that's the free choice thing that we have in this world. You know, we all have kind of that aspect of free choice. Mm -hmm. So it's up to us or the animals to choose in any given point, which way we go, Mm -hmm. you know. And so we have those opportunities. And if we're in a place where we can take the higher road, we do. Mm -hmm. Or we don't. Mm-hmm. So. Absolutely, yep.
1: <laughs> yeah, and I mean, you see it a lot with um, with rescued animals, especially those who have come from a traumatic situation. How they are for the most part able to let go of what happened, and they can learn mm-hmm. to love and trust the people who come into their lives it's not always the case but most of the time
2: right and and that's one of the things that i love to do because and that's what I I, I I one of the specialties is like helping people who've adopted animals that have been in those situations that have been you know traumatized or abused or abandoned and helping that animal to make that transition first so they don't have to hold on to it because they're you know again so they they can't always do it themselves mm-hmm. you know they can't let go of that stuff so i can help them release and clear that emotional baggage, those old experiences. And then that enables them to say, oh, I can be with my people now. And they will then turn that corner and be able to accept their new home mm-hmm. once they've been cleared of that, those old patterns and those old energies mm-hmm. that they don't need anymore. Mm-hmm. So it's, it's one of the most important times, I think, for this work is when you're bringing a new animal into your house, especially if you don't know where they've been before. Mm-hmm. Even if you haven't, just, you know, to align them with their family, to help them understand that they are here, they're in their forever home. Now they're in a good, safe place. They don't need to have all this other baggage mm-hmm. with them. And it really makes a huge difference because they do. They, I mean, I've had, you know, people call me up and say, you know, oh, I adopted this dog. And then this man walked in and they're just like, mm-hmm. you know, cause they were obviously abused or had some sort of a situation So helping them to understand it's not all men, Mm -hmm. it's not every situation. You don't need to react like this with everybody that was then this is now, you know, because they're surviving on their instinct. And so that's the animal nature part of them Mm -hmm. that is coming to the fore, right? Because they are still operating in an animalistic way Mm -hmm. of their basic nature, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: right? And we can help that, (laughs) you know, improve that so that they're feeling more comfortable and able to relax and and feel happy in their new
1: place. Right. And have that combined with their humans to develop the, the patience and the ways of being around them to help them to, I lost the word that I want to use. (laughs) Right. To not carry that. I mean, for me, it's like one piece of
2: advice I got was it's like, when you're working with these animals, you want to tell the person, okay, don't keep bringing up the story of their horrid past. Mm -hmm. or this happened to that animal. If you keep perpetuating that story, then they're having to relive it. Mm -mm. You want to let that go. You want to say, move on. That frees the animal and them of this, you know, Mm -hmm. maybe tintillating and exciting
0: and, but it doesn't do either of them any good Mm -hmm. in the long run. I think the term adopted, I adopted him. Well, no, he's yours. (laughs) he's yours. You know, she's yours. You know, if you keep bringing up that. Right, right, just, right, right. Again, it's, no, let it go. Yes, you did a good thing, but now they're your family. Mm-hmm. Right.
2: This is my they're dog. This is my you. cat.
0: <laughs> <Yes>. Right. <Yeah. laughs> so you do both in person
1: as well as distance, right? Or is it all distance?
2: At this point, I do most of it all distance. Okay. I had done some work with people in person, but all my animal work I do like this over Zoom or virtually Mm -hmm. it's better for the animals. They can be home. They can be comfortable. The person can be home and comfortable. It just allows them to feel safe and happy. Mm -hmm. And it actually works better at a distance than having them in the room, being distracted and running around and, you know, in a strange place or, Mm -hmm. you know, whatever that doesn't benefit anybody. Mm -hmm. And they, they can feel it. They get it. You know, Mm -hmm. I've worked with animals in Hong Kong and over in Europe and stuff and you know, also they're going, oh, they can hear you. They're like looking around because they can hear my, you know, voice in their head mm. or whatever. So they're picking it up. They don't need you to be right there. Mm-hmm. That's the beauty of this kind of work, is like you you can do this mm-hmm. at a distance and do it virtually. And it's it's so effective and so beneficial. Yeah.
1: So some people might wonder how this distance communication and healing can actually be effective instead of in person.
2: Okay. So there is no distance between energy.
1: (laughs) We are in a quantum
2: field. This gets into the quantum kind of mechanics aspect of, you know, we are all things. So it's like talking on the phone with somebody long distance, like you and I are, are how far apart are we? We're a long ways away, Mm -hmm. but we can still connect and interact. So what I'm tuning in energetically with the animal or the person, you know, the energy is already there. There is no there's no distance between it. Energy is energy. Energy is everywhere. Every, energy is everything. Mm-hmm. We are made up of energy. So it is all things, all places. Mm-hmm. So it it does work. And I know it's kind of strange for people, but, you know, once they start to experience and I've had people go and they go, oh, yeah, this kind of does work. It's kind <laughs> of interesting, you know,
3: it's, mm-hmm. yeah. they're always
2: kind of surprised
1: at first, but then it's like, oh, yeah, I like this. <laughs> so mm-hmm. it's it's a cool thing. Can you explain why this seems to work so well for animals, particularly with the energy medicine? Again, they don't get into their left brain
2: and think about it. They just respond to the energy. They are very open. Mm -hmm. They are operating on that level already. Mm -hmm. They're they're very much in tune on that energetic level. So when, you know, very often I'll go in and connect and they're like, oh, you're finally here, you know? it's like what took so long and or you know so they're already aware of it and they can feel it again we're we're kind of catching up to that you know we're getting better but we still have a long way to go but that is where they operate mm. and that's why i always tell again i tell people i said you know you know your animal you know when you're feeling it you're getting messages you're mm. not even aware you're getting because they're already tuning in on that level and sending you messages mm-hmm. And it's just, again, becoming aware of it. So it's, it's more the awareness factor and realizing that we are energy. Mm. We're just yeah. in a physical body here right now, but we are all energy. Yeah.
0: And that explains why your dog or your cat knows you're coming home. Exactly. Even when you're five miles from the house. Exactly. <laughs> and they do. They know, they sense it. They know. They yes. No.
2: Well, you're thinking about them. You're coming home and they're like, they're in a little antenna. They're going, Oh here they come. I can tell they're coming, (laughs) (laughs) Yep, you know, and they do. Mm -hmm. So that exact. And that's, that's like one of the greatest examples, you know, they're already tuned into that. I'm just, it's like tuning into that radio station, right. You know, just connecting Mm -hmm. in with their particular radio station.
1: Yeah.
0: Yeah. And I think people will think, oh, well, they're just used to them coming home at that time. Well, that could be part of it, but sometimes you're not on a schedule and they just know. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yep. Yep.
1: Yeah, I I think humans have a lot of blocks. And I think, like you said, they might be slowly disappearing as we move forward because people are becoming more and more open to these different healing modalities and that. But I think that's why sometimes people will find that this kind of healing doesn't work for them because they can't necessarily physically feel something. Mm -hmm. Right, I know, right, I know yes, that's been a yes. block for me because I've, I've like had Reiki yes. and that done on me and I'm like, okay, how do I know you're doing anything? I can't feel anything. <laughs> it's like, <laughs> how do I know this isn't a scam? <laughs>
2: right, right, right. I, I know.
0: Process. It, a <laughs> it it,
2: it, 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 and, and like what I say, it is a process and it's accumulative. So the more you get done, the more you see. And People are very good at saying what's wrong with them, but they forget what suddenly got better. Right. You know, you start to talk to people after a couple of sessions. Well, what about this? And it's like, oh, I forgot about that. It's like, yeah, that got all better. <laughs> and Now you're thinking about something else that surfaced. So they keep thinking they're, they're not getting better, mm. but they are getting better. It's like we're clearing the layers off the onion, right? To clear those layers. Mm-hmm. And you have to clear certain things first before other things can come to the surface. So, you know- All the work I do is what I call by priority. I'm I'm muscle testing and checking what's ready to go today at this session. It may not be what you want to ready to go, but you may not be ready to let that go yet. Mm -hmm. So we have to work to the things around it to help. And so that's why it's important to know that this is a process. It's over a period of time, Mm -hmm. even with the animals, you know, I'm also about like prevention and being proactive. The more you work with your animal's, when they're younger and doing this on a regular basis over a period of time, you will keep them from getting ill sooner Mm -hmm. because animals, as you know, they're in that instinctive mode. They're going to hide and hide and hide anything that's going on Mm -hmm. with them until it's too late. Mm -hmm. And then all of a sudden they have stage four cancer and there's not much you can do at that point. Mm -hmm. But if you're doing this work steadily over a period of time, you know, because a maintenance thing over, you catch things before they become embedded and turn into something worse.
3: Mm-hmm.
2: And so for people to realize that, you know, taking care of this on a regular basis, you know, a couple times a year, three, four times a year is all, all you need, unless there's something serious. Mm-hmm. That just means we can forestall anything settling in and turning into a more serious problem.
1: Mm-hmm. I don't know if you would also agree with this, but maybe people who have doubts or uncertainties or anything like that around healing that involves energy and is not physically based, Mm -hmm. that they should probably seek out people where they feel a level of trust with them. Not instead of just going to anybody that's been recommended, that there should be like a trust feeling,
2: yes, yes, definitely. You want to, you because you want to feel safe and trusting and know that the you know you're in somebody's good hands Mm -hmm. because there are a lot of people that aren't, you know, and can talk a good game, but you know, are they really doing anything? Mm -hmm. But you know, you get that in any field,
1: yeah, of course. (laughs) (laughs) I mean, there's a
2: lot of regular doctors out there that you know you wonder sometimes, but
1: right, yeah.
0: I think what also happens is when we doubt, like if we go to a healer and we doubt, we can block that healing, even though some might get through, we can block it because we doubt mm-hmm. it and we put the walls up, energetically put the walls up. So some of it's going to get through because it's energy. We're all energy. But because we doubt so much as humans, not even just an energy, I just think we block a lot of things. Yeah. We block that energy coming to us mm-hmm. because we're like, ah, this is BS. Boom, wallop. Animals don't do that. They just sit and accept. Right. You know, when I was doing some energy work on my cats, I would just put my hand on them and you can just see them go... Ah <sighs> <sighs> yes. <laughs> the side. You know, it's like <laughs> instantaneous. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's amazing how much animals are open like that. And we humans can learn a lot because we do block a lot mm-hmm. of things. Right. Yes. But
2: I mean, I'm always like, you know, if you're willing to be open and at least try something you don't know if you want to try it and see what happens you know, it is easier to see it with the animals sometimes than with yourself. So if if you've seen it happen with your animal, then you like can at least say, okay, this is possible.
1: Right. Mm -hmm.
2: I can do this. I can do this. Mm -hmm. We just have more layers probably to work through than the animals. do. Right. So yeah, definitely. It just takes a little bit more time, but that doesn't mean it can't happen and miracles can happen. You know, it's, it's anything's possible. And in this work, it's just, there's always just, you never know what's going to go on, you know, and I'm always amazed at things, how some things happen very quickly. Some things take a little longer, but if you work through it and then all of a sudden it just opens up and it's like, oh wow. Yeah, there it is. Mm, But you know, it's all possible. Mm.
1: (laughs) So you've had obviously a variety of experiences over the years with the work you've done, could you share some of these experiences, like some of maybe lessons learned, transitions, et
2: cetera? I have a fairly recent case that I just want to share that. I think a lot of people can relate to. I had um, a client who had two dogs and one who was, she, she and her husband were really close to. And the other dog was not as close, but still part of the family. And the two dogs were playing with each other and both, the people were home and the the dog they really liked was a little younger and the other one was older and they got playing and got a little rough and the older dog happened to hit the younger dog in just such a way hit the neck I think it broke the neck anyway they ended up having to take the dog to the hospital and had to put him down
1: oh wow oh no it
2: was really traumatic and they were just in shock Mm. and just they were experiencing the shock and the trauma and just the pain. And it's like, Oh my God, you know? So I'm talking to my friend. I said, I said, let me do a session. on you. Let me, let me help you with this. So I did a session with her. So at first we could connect with the dog that had died and help her to understand that this was okay. He was fine. He was okay. On the other side, there was no hard feelings, but I was also able to help her let go of that trauma and that experience and to turn it into something better. Anyway, needless to say, she it it she turned around to the point where her husband, who was not into this kind of stuff and not open to, was not open to energy medicine, after a couple more days and realized how much better she was and said, How did you know that I want what you had? So he called me, and I gave him a session, and was able to help him also through the process. Mm. Nice. And those traumatic situations where this can really help a lot. Yeah. And then I helped them work with their new dog to help with the tandem thing, actually to help, you know, to care her to get more connected with this other dog, and you know, to move past this whole situation. Mm. And that really helped. It really blossomed. The whole thing really turned around, which was good. I mean, the good thing is it it happened relatively quickly. So it wasn't so ingrained, Mm
3: -hmm.
2: you know, when you're dealing with older, deeper buried shock or trauma, you know, that takes a little more time sometimes to really turn around, Mm -hmm. but still, it can go quickly. I had another client, she called me her cat, you know, all of a sudden, you know, out of nowhere, just started hiding and hiding and hiding, wouldn't come out, come out. I did a session on the cat talk to the cat and she said by the end of the session cat walked out on its own and was like okay I'm back I'm fine <laughs> <laughs> you know it was just like she and she wasn't like totally into this kind of stuff either but it's like okay I'll try this and it was like wow all of a sudden there she was yep. <laughs> there <know>? it is <laughs> and and it was like okay that's all you need so you know it's it, it manifests in interesting ways mm-hmm. you know sometimes not what you expect you know, we have an older dog who I've been working with for 10 years, and he's now 15 and a half. And I think one of the reasons he's lived as long as he has, he's a Labrador. And it's just he's gotten regular energy work, Mm. you know, and just helping him keeping him going. And it's made a huge difference. And he's had very few significant problems. Now he's got Mm -hmm. the old age problems going on right now, because he's older. But that's part of life, you know, but we haven't had any major problems, you know, which is a blessing.
1: Mm, oh yeah. That's great.
2: So, you know, it's nice to say, okay, there are ways of forestalling all of that. Mm-hmm. So anyway,
1: yeah,
2: those are a couple.
1: You also uh, had an experience with a horse named red.
2: Yes. So red was my jumper <laughs> and he came into my life and we learned a lot. It was very challenging, but he kept throwing me. And then I you know, was going to sell him. Then I didn't sell him. Then I moved to a dressage barn. And as soon as I got to the dressage barn, something was off and came down. And he had a torn suspensory. Hmm. So we did surgery twice, It never fully healed. So it was kind of wandering around. And I was trying to figure out, okay, what am I going to do? You know, what do I do with him? Because he's just, you know, he was able to do some stuff, but he just wasn't. Finally, one day I showed up at the barn. It was on a Sunday in the morning and I was riding him and I happened to look up and there were two hawks circling in the air. I thought, okay, that's a little odd. You know, there's like, okay, there's something going on. And then all of a sudden I was riding him and it was like he was a little sluggish and not moving. And all of a sudden I realized, oh my God, his sides were like hard drums. Mm. So I got mm. off immediately and I thought, okay, he was, he was prone to colic. And I thought, okay, this is not good. So I quickly got him back over to stall, tried to get him to eat some brand mash to at least see if he could get something going. He was not wanting to eat that called the vet. And of course the vet's like, do you really need me? Yes, I do. I do. I do. So the vet came and sure enough, he was impacted and walking him around. And finally the vet says, okay, we got to hook him up on IV. So he was in a stall on IV. So I was just hanging out and hanging out. And then another couple hours later, the vet came back and the vet's finally like, okay, um, I think we need to have the conversation. And I'm like, mm. and what was that? Which conversation is that? He says, this is not going well. He's not doing well. You know, do you want him to go to surgery? Do you, you know, and I'm like, I can't believe we're sitting here talking about the end of his life, basically. That's not how I woke up in the morning. So I had another friend who is an animal communicator because I was just too traumatized. And I'm like, okay, tell me what's going on. What, how, how's he doing? What's, and he, she, she said, he's ready to go. It's his time. He's like, he's done everything he needs to do. He's there. He chose this time. It's all good. And I'm like, oh my God. You know, OK, mm. so then I'm calling and waiting for my husband to show up and call the vet back later. You know, during the couple of times I was trying to get him to walk, if you've ever seen a horse who's colicking, you know, they're they're not they don't want to walk. They want to get down. They want to roll. They want they want to do anything but walk. And I'm like dragging a twelve hundred pound horse, you know, just like, come on, mm. you got to keep walking. And then he's like, I don't want to walk. It's like, no, please. So anyway, finally, the time came. To put him down and his stall was kind of here and then there was a place up behind the barn it was up a little hill so i took him out he practically ran up the hill it's like he knew what was coming he was ready to go
3: mm-hmm.
2: the vet's like well you know i don't know this could get pretty ugly sometimes they they really resist they're very not they're not happy about this and especially with horses it's a lot harder because they're standing
3: mm-hmm. Mm-hmm.
2: but we did the process he went like that he went quickly easily he released and it was a very shall i say beautiful but sad experience mm-hmm. and i was very honored that i was able to be there and to help him through that process mm-hmm. and to help him free his soul and was so forever grateful for cuz he was the one that really helped me get into love this energy work and I, he was like my mm-hmm. my uh, guinea pig yeah (laughs) on a lot of things your teacher he was and i was forever grateful and i think he orchestrated because he happened to pick the one day that i didn't have any work i didn't have to be anywhere i didn't have to do anything so i had the whole day and uh there you go you know it's it it can be done in a nicer way than can sometimes you know happen um sometimes it's not a lot of fun Mm. But um, you know, when you can connect with them and help them through it, it's it's you know it, it allows them to go freely and easily, quickly,
0: and they're not yeah. stuck.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: I actually don't mind uh, working with animals that are transitioning because it, as you said, it's it can be so beautiful mm-hmm. if you are aware and you are connected with that animal. You know that number one, it's not very traumatic for them, right? They might have fear but that they let that go when they really oh wait oh I get a new body this time yeah <laughs> like, exactly <it's> like, <laughs> it it can be so it can be so beautiful and anybody who can be open and aware and go through that and see the whole process from a distance and actually watch the nuances mm-hmm. it's not a bad thing it's right. not sad it's not I mean, you're gonna miss them, of course. So you'll be right. sad for a right. bit. But right. it's such a beautiful process. Right. And uh, I'm I'm glad I've been able to be a part of many mm-hmm. transitions and be there. And like you said, I mean, helping them.
2: You yeah. are. I was gonna say you're helping them. You know, have a better transition than just you know holding on to them and not letting them go. You know, and it's like when you can yeah. be free and say, okay, they've done everything, and now it's time to help them move to their next phase.
1: Mm.
2: Yeah it's really important. Yeah. So, yeah.
1: I had one question left in your practice. You have three principles that you kind of focus on proactiveness, preventative and practice. Can you expand on that a little bit?
2: Yeah. So The proactive is like I was mentioning earlier is, you know, not waiting until there's a problem. Mm -hmm. It's like with us, it's like we go out and exercise every day. You don't want to wait until you've got a problem before you start exercising. You want to start and make that a regular practice all the time. Preventative is taking steps to do things preventatively to help them get the best health for them physically, emotionally, mentally, spiritually. And that's why I say just doing, you know, little tune-ups here and there, helps go uh, them go a long way because it just clears out any imbalances, clears out any things that got stuck in their body, gets things communicating, get things working so that they're at their best energetically, which then allows their body to operate at its best. Mm. And the practice is just having that practice of you know taking charge of, it's like having self-care for ourselves. You want to have self-care for your animals, right? Mm-hmm. And these little things go a long way. It may seem like a lot of money, but it's a lot less than those big vet bills down the road. Mm, Absolutely. If you can do little things here, there, and you know, plus it's more fun. It's easier on the animal. It's easier on you and they appreciate it. And also again, when things are at the first sign of something not feeling right, get on the horn and address it right away. Don't wait because again, you can pick up something and clear it. And, you know, that's that proactive part of just, you know, deal with it right away. Don't wait. Mm. You know, it's like, it's like doctors that say, you know, if you have a stroke, the the best thing is the sooner you can get into the hospital and get there, the quicker they can respond and do something. It's the same thing with animals. If you're feeling something's not right, do something right away, Mm. whether that's going to the vet, getting some energy medicine, getting some acupuncture, you know, whatever is works best for you in the situation. Mm -hmm. Address it right away, because that will help the animal live a healthier, longer life overall.
1: Mm -hmm. Yeah. And what is the the practice part of it?
2: Just Just being consistent, consistent and doing, being regular and doing it and, Mm -hmm. you know, keeping it going and not waiting until something going wrong.
1: Yeah, I think that's something that we all need to consider in our lives. Like, even if we don't have the budget to go pay for some of these kinds of services. I think there's a lot of things that we can do at home to help ourselves, to help our animals.
0: Right. Right. Yes. Yes. Mm. Yes, definitely. And I think it's a responsibility. It's our responsibility as pet owners and as animal guardians to do those three things, right. To be proactive, to be preventative and to have a, some type of a, a self-care practice. Right. Exactly. Because they rely on Mm. us. Yep. Yep.
2: Yep. They can't do it themselves. It's our job to do that for them. Mm-hmm. So.
1: Is there anything else you'd like to add that we didn't cover or?
2: I do offer a free 20 minute consultation. So anybody can reach me on my website, which is www.chironenergymedicine.com. And would love to talk to anybody who, if they want to have more questions
0: or interest in learning more about it and see if that could be of help, that would be great. Awesome. And we'll have all that on, on the show notes mm-hmm. Yeah, and we'll put it on our website as well. Mm-hmm. But yeah, definitely. Thank you awesome. so much for this. I really
3: yeah, had a great it's time. It's been
0: wonderful <laughs> having you and it's been wonderful conversations. You know, I, I love bringing this side to, to our listeners because it just, it helps you be a more well-rounded mm-hmm. pet yes owner oh, yes. and animal guardian yep. and it's so important that we see these animals as people. Yeah. Yeah. So thank you so much for coming here. It's been a pleasure. You're always welcome thank to you. come on back. <laughs> My pleasure and thank you so much for doing this too. This is great. <laughs> yeah, you're very welcome. So uh have a wonderful evening and thanks so much again and uh we'll look talk to you soon. Yes. Thank you. Bye. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. What a lovely conversation. I know I say that every guest, but we have the best guests on this show. And we really hope that you get a lot out of these and it helps you become a better pet owner, human, whatever. It's just so important that we see these animals as people and that they have their own feelings. They have their own desires. They have their own mission, their purpose. They're here for a reason. They chose you for a reason. And as long as we keep that in mind, we're just going to end up helping these animals to truly thrive. And that's the important thing. So if you have any questions about Carolyn, her work, the podcast, any topics... You can always email us at the theanimalfilespodcast at gmail.com. And like I mentioned, all of the information will be on the show notes. And we'll also put her links on our website in our guest resources section. Anything else before we
1: head out? If you want to go to our website,
0: theanimalfilespodcast.com, you can also
1: find all of our socials. If you choose to follow us, uh, as well as if you would like to support us, there's a variety of ways for you to do that. You could become a Patreon member. You could do a one-time donation. And there's also merchandise that you could decide to get if you want to have the cool Animal Files logo to display.
0: (laughs) (laughs) Yes, outwardly and openly. I support the Animal Files. (laughs) And share us out. Share this out. If you know somebody who you think would resonate with this, share it. We have more guests coming up soon. So keep an eye on that. Have a great week, everybody. And we will see you next time. Bye for now.